Amen. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. When we believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, just as the scriptures teach, that he was buried, and that three days later he rose again, just as the scriptures teach, and when we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, the Bible says we are saved. We come to have a hope that goes beyond this earth, a hope that cannot be shaken. Jesus himself is that hope. Our heart becomes his home, and one day heaven will be our forever home. This is our blessed hope, Jesus himself. Please open your Bibles this morning to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. We're going to look at verses 24 and 25 as I share this sermon with you today, How to Hope. Romans chapter 8, verses 24 and 25. God's Word says... Romans 8, 24 and 25, for we were saved in this hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, We eagerly wait for it with perseverance. How to hope. We are to hope for what we have and have not yet seen. This is a Christian's hope. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Paul wrote another letter to the group of Colossian believers. And in Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, he talked about how Jesus, God in human flesh, had been revealed from heaven so that people could believe in him and receive forgiveness of their sins and the promise of eternal life. And the hope of God enters into our lives because Christ comes into our lives. We have hope within us. Jesus himself, what Paul describes in Colossians chapter 1 verse 27 as the hope of glory. This hope within us is something that we have, but we have not yet seen. A Christian hopes in what he or she already has, but has not yet seen. And that's the main idea of this message today. We are to hope for what we have and have not yet seen. Hope is the future aspect of faith that longs for and looks for God's promise to come full circle. Many people in this world have hope in many different things. Football teams, unless you're a fan of the Razorbacks, you gave up hope a long time ago, right? Kansas State, sorry, Darren, bring that up from last night. That was a bummer too. 
People have hopes in stocks and investments. People have hopes in friends, family members. Sometimes these hopes very well fail. They're never realized. But Christ never fails, and that is why He is the source of real hope for the soul. He saves us by grace through faith, and one day, soon, we will see this salvation come full circle because we will see the Savior Himself face to face. So if you're here today and you do not have hope in Christ, if you have hope in something else, my desire today is that you'll come to have hope in Him. And if you're here this morning and you have come to Christ in faith, my desire is that He will be your soul's true hope, that you won't hope in something else. We are to hope for what we have and have not yet seen. How do we do that? How do we hope? Romans chapter 8 verses 24 and 25 tells us how. And I want to break this down into three points of instruction. We are to hope by expectantly watching. The first way that we are to hope is by expectantly watching. Sometimes we think of hope as a wish that may or may not become reality, right? You hope that your team wins the championship. That might or might not happen. You hope that you get a good return on your investment. That might or might not happen. You hope that a friend is going to come through in a pinch when your car has failed to start and you need a jump. But that might or might not happen. Hope in Christ is not like that. Hope in Christ is sure and fixed. Christian hope is not wishful thinking. It is expectantly watching. God has made a promise and that promise is going to come true. God said, my son is going to come to seek and to save the lost. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. God has said, my son is coming again. And one day, his son will come again. Think of it this way. Let's say that you have a bad day today. I mean, you woke up late this morning. You've got turkey and gravy hangover from Thanksgiving. You're groggy and you wish you were a kid because your pants are too tight. And you couldn't button them this morning. And you were just like, man, I wish I could throw on my PJs like Bryson and all those kids. And let's say your football team lost the game last night, so you went to sleep grumpy. And let's say you're thinking, oh man, I don't want to go home and eat more leftovers. What are we going to do for lunch? And then you realize, oh man, we're going to have to go to the store. And I've got all this to do this afternoon. And the day just kind of unravels. There's a little saying that we use quite often, don't we? You have a bad day today, don't worry, the sun will come out tomorrow. Now don't start singing Annie, okay? Don't do that. The sun will come out tomorrow, right? We have that saying. 
A day may be bad today, but the sun will rise tomorrow. I mean, it's just, it's a sure thing, isn't it? You guys have any of those weather apps on your phone where you can look at how the, the, the weather's going to be predicted throughout the, the day or the week? They'll tell you what the temperature might be, where it's going to rain or snow. How many of you want some snow this winter? There you go. You got to turn your PJs inside out. That's not a Bible verse, but apparently you do that and it'll, it'll snow. That's what Stephanie tells me. Uh, listen and, and pay attention, okay? You look at those weather apps, and I, I don't know if you knew this or not, but Ryan Vaughn, the KAIT meteorologist, won like meteorologist of the year for the whole nation. So we got a pretty good meteorologist. He's wrong sometimes, right? But if you pull up your weather app, do you know one thing that is right every time on that weather app? The time of the sunrise. The time of the sunrise. It's right. It's fixed. Every time it's going to be on there. Ryan Vaughn's not having to guess. He's not having to, to go, well, this, this might happen, that might happen. We look at these weather patterns. The sun's going to rise. It might be hiding behind the clouds. It might be a little dulled from some raindrops falling in front of it. But the sun is going to come up, isn't it? We know that. How many of you went out in the deer woods before the sun, sun rose the last few weeks? Were you surprised when you went, oh my goodness, the sun came up. Can you believe it? We're, we're not surprised by that. We know the sun is going to rise. I want you to understand something about our Christian hope, about how we hope, we expectantly watch for Jesus to return. Because Jesus' return is even more sure than the sun rising in the morning. Think about that. His return is more certain than the setting and the rising of the sun in the sky. In fact, Revelation chapter 22 verse 16 calls Jesus the bright and morning star. Though the heavens and the earth pass away, Jesus will not. He'll never fail. We expectantly watch for His return. So if you're having a truly bad day, or you're having really some of those difficult and dark moments in your life, right now and you need more than just well the sun's going to come up in the sky tomorrow here's more the sun is going to return from heaven and all of the wrongs going to be made right the tears of sorrow are going to turn into joy because Jesus is coming back that's what we're watching for and we're doing so with expectancy. How do we hope? We hope by expectantly watching for Jesus' return. We hope for what we have and have not yet seen. But here's the second point of instruction in how to hope. Not only do we expectantly watch, but we have to earnestly want we earnestly want Jesus to return, for Him to come back. Sometimes we think of hope as something far off in the future. 
that we don't have to deal with today and so we can delay or defer what we say that we hope for. But those who have real hope in Christ really do want Him to return. Let me put it this way. How many of you want Christmas Day to come around, December 25th? You ready for that morning? All the kiddos' hands went up. How many of you parents, you realize that Santa's elves aren't done tinkering with stuff at the North Pole Workshop yet? A.K.A. you hadn't gone shopping yet? And you're like, man, let's delay December 25th a little bit further, right? Hey, listen and pay attention. There are things that we hope for or that we say that we hope for and a lot of times we go, ah, hey, hang on. I want that to happen, but not quite yet. Even sometimes Christians get in get this idea in their mind. Well, I want Jesus to come back, but first, I really would like to be married. Or, but first, I'd really like to have kids. Or, but first, I'd really like to get this job or finish my degree or accumulate this much money or have this experience, go on that trip. I want Jesus to come back, but first... If... We really do have hope in Christ, then we want Him to come back, even now. So here's my question Do you earnestly want Christ to come back today? Kids want Christmas to be here today because they're ready to get their presents. Adults aren't ready for Christmas to come today because the presents aren't ready yet, right? If you're here today and you don't want Christ to come back, is it because you're not yet ready for Him to return? And listen to me, when Jesus comes, He's coming. And you're going to stand before Him and either meet Him as Savior because you believe He died for your sins and rose again, or you're going to meet Him as Judge because you never believed that He died on the cross for your sins and rose again. But either way, Jesus is coming back. Do you want Him to come back? If you don't want Him to come back, is it because you haven't ever truly trusted in Him? This is a decision you don't have to put off and you don't need to put off. If you're here this morning and you've never believed that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins according to the Scriptures and that He was buried and rose again according to the Scriptures and you've never confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father, today's the day. You need to come to Christ in faith and be saved so that you can have this hope of glory within you and long for the day of Jesus' return. Because here's reality. Those who have real hope in Christ really do want Him to come back. What you long for shows what you're living for. And if you're not longing for Christ to come back, you're living for something else other than Jesus. Jesus is not alive in you. What are you longing for? What are you living for? Now, there really is only one good reason that I can think of 
that we should desire any kind of delay for Christ's return. And it's simply that more may come to know Him. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says that God is not slack or slow concerning His promise, as some people would count slackness or slowness. But He is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Folks, maybe there's a desire for a little bit of a delay for Jesus to come back because you've got some friends and family members and neighbors and co-workers and classmates and teammates that don't yet know Jesus. Just as those who don't know Jesus do not need to delay coming to know Him, you don't need to delay making Him known to those people. And maybe the decision you need to make today is to immediately, when we leave this service, you call that family member that you should have shared the gospel with when you got together for Thanksgiving, but chickened out and talk to them about faith in Christ. Or maybe it's that you come to this altar and you pray for that coworker you're gonna to encounter tomorrow that's been on your heart and mind for a long time and you share the gospel with them. That's the only reason that God is waiting to send His Son Jesus back is so more people can be saved. But we are to earnestly want Christ to come. And then the third point of instruction or how to hope. We are one to expectantly watch, two to earnestly want, three. We are to enduringly wait. We are to wait Verse 25 says that we are to eagerly wait for it with perseverance, with endurance. That is, we are not to give up on Jesus. He is coming back. And we are not to go elsewhere. His return is worth the wait. Just a few verses earlier in Romans chapter 8, verse 18, Paul wrote that the sufferings of this present time on earth are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. We need to wait it out with endurance. We had the opportunity, Steph and, and I and our five kids, to go and visit my in-laws uh, this week for Thanksgiving in Sumrall, Mississippi. We had a wonderful time, and uh, we got to come back home yesterday morning. And you guys know how long road trips are with a bunch of kids and guys, a wife in the car. The kids need to stop and pee, and the wife's hungry all the time, right? It's just how it goes. I just had to pick on Steph a little bit. She, she's having fun with our kids this morning. No children's worship today. It's a great day to be in God's house together. Here we go. We're coming back home yesterday. And everybody got hungry, so we decided to stop and eat. And the kids all wanted Wendy's. So we go to Wendy's. And it was about 1.30, 2 o'clock. So, you know, the, the lunch rush hour is over with. This is going to work out perfect. No, man. I don't know if everybody just woke up late yesterday or ate breakfast late and had to come get a late lunch, but this little town we stopped at in Mississippi to eat lunch at this Wendy's, the line was at the door when we came in, 
And there was one, one lady up at the front. Everybody else was in the back getting food ready. And the one lady working the cash register, I mean, she was, she was having one of those days. You know, she was wishing the sun would come out tomorrow. She was wishing it already was tomorrow. You could just tell. And, and, and you know, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, Lord, like, please, please just help her. I mean, not even selfishly that we get the right order or we get through this, but just help her. She's having a hard day. And you know it's bad when people come in the door behind you in line and they look and their eyes go, whoo, and they just check out. I mean, they, just, they, they leave before they even place an order, right? There are some people who call themselves Christians and they are waiting for Jesus to come back, but it still hasn't happened yet. And they give up. It's like they come to Christ and go, yes, this is going to be great. This is going to be perfect. The Lord Jesus is going to return. There's going to be no more sin. There's going to be no more sickness. There's going to be no more sorrow. There's going to be no more death. And then they go through sin and sickness and sorrow and death in life. And it's like they come in the front door of Christianity and walk right back out. We are to wait with endurance, perseverance on the Lord Jesus. We're not to give up. He's coming back. And we're not to go elsewhere. I'll be honest with you, I did yesterday. There was a Whataburger right across the drive-thru from Wendy's. Who wants to eat Wendy's chicken nuggets when you can have a Whataburger, Right? So I went elsewhere. Somebody gave me an amen. That's a Randy Clements. He knows good food when he hears it. So I went across the drive-thru to go get a Whataburger. And I walked in. Hey, guys. I ordered my food. And I had to wait for a really long time. After I ordered my food, they told me, you know, I upgraded to a large. You got to get large fries. You got to get a large Coke. It's, it's a long road trip. She handed me my large cup and she said, oh, I should have told you all of our sodas are down. There's no carbonation in the machines. And I went, all right. And, uh, and she said, but there's Powerade, there's tea over there. I was like, okay, that'll work. So I go to get some ice. There's no ice left. So I said, hey, do y'all have some ice back in the drive-thru? No, we just ran out. Went, okay. So I just thought, well, we'll just fill this up with tea, you know, to call it a day. It'd be all right. Got something to eat, got something to drink. It's a good one. So I go to flip open that spout on the tea. The tea comes out, and I'm ready to just get a good old fashioned Mississippi glass of sweet tea. Mississippi people can get sweet tea right too, okay? They can't get everything right, Dr. Bob. They can get some sweet tea right. And so I go to drink this big old gulp of sweet tea. And I knew it was going to be warm. There's no ice. But it was unsweet tea in the sweet tea pitcher. And I thought, man, what is going on here? What a burger. Talk about what a disappointment in life. Hey, guys, I want to share this with you, too. Some people give up waiting on Jesus. We don't need to give up. But some people begin to question in their minds, is it really going to be worth the wait? Is it really going to be worth living my life in selfless sacrifice? 
going through the suffering, just longing for Him to come back, waiting patiently with perseverance? And the answer to that question is yes. Jesus Christ is worth the wait. When He comes back, the sufferings that we've gone through in this present time are not going to be worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us. We are to hope in what we have and we have not yet seen. We do that by expectantly watching, earnestly wanting, and enduringly waiting. Jesus is worth the wait. Hope in Christ is not mistaken. It's not misplaced, nor is it misled. Hope in Christ is an anchor for the soul for which we watch, want, and wait. We hope for what we have and have not yet seen. I want to ask you this question. Do you have that hope? Hope that is in Christ. Hope that is worth the wait. Hope that is worth the wanting. Hope that is worth the watching. I had to escape a few, few times, more than a few times this week, when we were uh, celebrating Thanksgiving with the family. When you put 12 grandkids in a 2,000 square foot house, it's just it's kind of loud. It's a little crazy at times. We had a good, good time. But I had to escape to the back bedroom and sit in a chair and read a, read a book for a little bit. I had a book that was given to me uh, just this past week called Just Outside of Hope. It's written by a, a pastor, former pastor named Stan Paris, who grew up just outside of a place called Hope, Arkansas. The Lord called him to ministry and he served the Lord as a pastor for uh, several years and served the Lord on the mission field for several years. Took over 50 mission trips um, with, uh, with, with various groups of people short term, but also served the Lord on the mission field for about seven years in Venezuela. And one of the, uh, the stories that he tells in this book, Just Outside of Hope, is a story about a lady who had been waiting to find some hope in her life. And I, I love this little phrase after which he titled his book, Just Outside of Hope, because a lot of times it feels like we're just outside of hope. But the truth is, if we know Christ, hope is in us. And it's not so much that we're just outside of hope as that we need to realize that we're inside hope because hope is inside of us. And you know, Bryson lit our first candle on our Advent wreath this morning, reminding us that Jesus is the light of the world, the hope for the world that has come. And you think back about that first Christmas when people arrived, shepherds arrived to worship the Lord Jesus, and then later on when a star appeared in the sky guiding wise men to worship King Jesus. Shepherds out on their fields finding hope in God's Son. Wise men from the East finding hope in the King of Kings. I want to share with you another story about a lady finding some hope from stars in the sky at nighttime and finding this hope in Jesus Christ. Listen to this story. 
that Stan Paris tells about his mission time in Venezuela. The first person in the neighborhood to publicly receive Christ as personal Savior where we served was a young mother named Sophia. When I first began to prayer walk in the neighborhood, there was a mixture of curiosity and suspicion. As I mentioned, this was not a neighborhood accustomed to seeing North Americans walk in their streets. Some would respond to buenos dias or other greetings. Others would just nod or look away. Because it was a dangerous area, initially my walking in any direction was within three or four blocks of the home of Arlemus, our friend. After walking, I would come back to her house sit under her shade tree and drink her delicious Colombian coffee. I would ask her about different houses or people that I had seen or met. At one house, a young lady named Sophia was always outside washing clothes when I went past. Since there was no water service in the neighborhood, water trucks would come daily and sell water, pumping it into large barrels. That water was used for drinking, cooking, bathing, and washing clothes. Sophia would watch intently as I walked by her house each day. Her house was a typical ranchito. One room, boards nailed together, tin roof, dirt floor. There was another simple structure outside where she cooked over a charcoal fire. Sophia was from Colombia, but she was also part Guajira, that's Guajara, Guajira. The Guajira are an indigenous people group who have dual citizenship in Colombia and Venezuela. They have lived for centuries in the frontier between the two countries, and many of them survived by selling contraband brought into the country. They have their own language, their own culture, And for the most part, they are not a religious people. One morning, Sophia saw me coming down her street, and she walked slowly toward the barbed wire fence that marked the front of their property. For the first time, I stopped in front of her house and introduced myself. May I ask you a question, she said. I replied, sure. She said, over one year ago, I woke up very early in the morning and could not sleep. It was so hot, and I walked outside to see if it might be cooler. As I was standing there, I looked up at the sky and saw something written in the stars. I ran back into the house and woke up my husband. I made him come outside, and I pointed to the writing in the sky. But he could not see it. He never saw it, but it was very clear to me. I have been waiting for someone to come and explain to me the words that I saw written in the sky. And I think you were that person. I asked her to please tell me what she had seen. She said, I saw two words. It said, Jesus saves. Can you tell me what that means? 
For the next 30 minutes, we stood at the fence in my very rookie Spanish. And I shared with her the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. She did not question one statement or one verse of scripture. She just kept smiling and nodding her head. She did not hesitate to ask Jesus to forgive her of her sin and take complete control of her life. I will never forget the smile that came over her face on that morning in 1984. It took me a while to process what had transpired that day. This experience was way outside my theological comfort zone. I believed that God could use any methods He desired to reach those who were just outside of hope. But at this point in our ministry, I had very little experience with this kind of supernatural manifestation of God's power. Sophia was the first spiritual fruit in this neighborhood, but she would not be the last. Neither would this be the last of God's supernatural manifestations. God will go to great lengths to share that Jesus saves, even with those who are just outside of hope. A few months later, Sophia would share her testimony with others in the neighborhood. And she would say that Brother Stan explained to me in perfect Spanish. Yet another supernatural manifestation of God's power. Jesus provides us with real hope. Do you have hope? as a Christian, in what you have, but have not yet seen. If you're here today and you don't have hope in Him, but you've been waiting, you've been waiting for someone to tell you that Jesus saves and that you can have hope, today I pray, today I hope that you'll have hope in Christ. You stand with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. In just a moment, there's going to be a song of invitation. And as this song of invitation is played and sung, I want to simply invite you to respond to God as He spoke into your heart this morning. Maybe you're here today and you don't have hope in Christ. You can, here and now. You simply believe that He died on the cross for your sins as the Scriptures teach. That He rose again from the third day just as the Scriptures teach. If you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, the Bible says you'll be saved. You don't have to wait for God to write that news in the sky from stars. Jesus saves is already written in the nail-scarred hands of Jesus. He loves you. It's in His Word that's been preached to you today. He wants you to know Him. If you're here as a Christian this morning and you do know Christ, but you haven't truly been hoping in Him, you haven't been watching for Him, you haven't been wanting Him to return, you haven't been waiting on Him, would you choose to renew your hope in Him today? I'll be standing down here in the front If you need to speak with me about anything, there's any way I can pray for you. I'd love to listen to you. I'd love to pray with you.
This altar is open if you need to come and talk to God in prayer. As God calls you today, would you come to Him? Father God, we pray that you would continue to work and move in hearts today. God, we thank you for Jesus Christ and for the true and sure hope that he gives to us. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.